0: Imagine that you are a gardener who weeds your garden on a daily basis. One day, however, the weeds start growing uncontrollably and you can no longer weed them fast enough. The weeds are prolactin and the gardener is the hypothalamus. Today, our patient has a prolactinoma and you are the doctor dealing with uncontrolled prolactin secretion. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled Picking Up the Prolactinoma." Time for a minute physiology. The pituitary gland is located in the cella tercica of the brain, inferior to the optic chiasm and medial to the carotid arteries. It is divided into the anterior pituitary and posterior pituitary. The anterior pituitary is connected to the hypothalamus via a vascular network, the portal vein, while the posterior pituitary consists of nerve endings projecting from neurons in the hypothalamus. The anterior pituitary secretes six hormones, adenocorticotropic hormone, ACTH, thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH, luteinizing hormone, LH, follicle stimulating hormone, FSH, prolactin, and growth hormone, GH. Prolactin is secreted by lactotroph cells in the pituitary and promotes breast milk production. Importantly, prolactin inhibits gonadotropin-releasing hormone, which controls the release of LH and FSH, which in turn regulate sex hormones, estradiol and testosterone. Normally, prolactin synthesis and secretion are suppressed by hypothalamic dopamine secretion. In prolactinomas, also known as lactotroph pituitary adenomas, lactotroph cells proliferate into a benign tumor and cause hyperprolactinemia prolactinomas have an estimated prevalence in the adult population of 100 per million and occur most commonly in females between the ages of 20 and 50. In addition to prolactinomas, there are many other reasons why prolactin may be elevated. We will come back to that later. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. Before you begin your history and physical, your first step is to assess whether your patient is stable by looking at their vitals, GCS, and ABCs. Patients with prolactinomas are generally stable unless there is pituitary apoplexy, bleeding into the pituitary, or the mass effect is so large as to cause loss of other anterior pituitary hormones, with the dangerous ones being adrenal crisis, insufficient cortisol caused by loss of ACTH, and myxedema coma, low free T4 and free T3 caused by loss of TSH. Thankfully, this is rare. Your approach to patients who potentially have a prolactinoma should include looking for the manifestations of hyperprolactinemia, other potential causes of hypoprolactinemia, and screening other pituitary hormones which may be lost due to mass effect. On history, you want to ask about symptoms of hypogonadism, including decreased libido, infertility, and galactorrhea. Ask about a history of osteopenia or osteoporosis. In premenopausal women, ask about oligo or amenorrhea, vaginal dryness, and hot flashes. In men, ask about erectile dysfunction and gynecomastia. Rarely, men may also have galactorrhea. In addition, inquire about headaches and visual changes, which may occur if there is compression of the optic chiasm. You may also want to ask about features on history that might point you to an alternate cause for hyperprolactinemia, including a history of renal failure and primary hypothyroidism. Ask about possibility of pregnancy, breastfeeding, and nipple stimulation. Importantly, look at the medication list for antipsychotics, risperidone being the big one, antidepressants, antihistamines, opiates, and oral contraceptives, to name a few. Quickly screen for loss of other anterior pituitary hormones. For secondary adrenal insufficiency, ask about fatigue, malaise, weight loss, nausea, vomiting, and dizziness. For secondary hypothyroidism, you might ask about fatigue, weight gain, constipation, cold intolerance, and facial puffiness. Screening for secondary hypogonadism should already be part of the history related to hyperprolactinemia. Symptoms of GH deficiency in adults are nonspecific and include fatigue and loss of muscle mass. On physical exam, complete a thorough cranial nerve examination. Classically, compression of the tumor in the optic chiasm causes a bitemporal hemianopsia, which is when the patients lose the lateral aspects of their visual fields in both eyes. Also look for diplopia. Some patients may also have papilledema and cranial nerve palsies. In men, look for gynecomastia. Now let's talk about the workup. You will definitely want a prolactin level to confirm that it is high. In addition, order tests for other anterior pituitary hormones, including AM cortisol, which looks for ACTH or secondary adrenal insufficiency, TSH and free T4, LH, FSH, and total testosterone in males or estradiols in females. And lastly, IGF-1, which looks at growth hormone deficiency. Do not forget to rule out pregnancy in premenopausal females with a beta-HCG. Obtain a glucose level as well, since secondary adrenal insufficiency can cause hypoglycemia. Order creatinine to look for renal failure. Once an elevated prolactin has been found, we need imaging to diagnose a prolactinoma, with an MRI cella, not just MRI head, being the imaging modality of choice. We recommend this when there is no clear secondary cause for hyperprolactinemia, marked prolactin over 200 micrograms per liter, or significant signs and symptoms. A macroprolactinoma is defined as maximum diameter over 10 millimeters, while a maximum diameter less than 10 millimeters suggests a microprolactinoma. Interestingly, case reports exist of prolactin secreting pituitary carcinomas. However, the only way to definitively diagnose a pituitary carcinoma is to find evidence of metastases. Until then, we assume that all prolactin-secreting pituitary masses are benign adenomas. Now on to the treatment. First of all, please consult your friendly neighborhood endocrinologist who will be guiding the management. According to the 2011 Endocrine Society Clinical Practice Guidelines, patients with asymptomatic microprolactinomas do not require treatment and should be followed on a yearly basis. Otherwise, for symptomatic prolactinomas and macroprolactinomas, first-line treatment is dopamine agonist therapy, with cabergoline preferred for greater efficacy in normalizing prolactin levels and higher frequency of tumor shrinkage. An alternative option is bromocryptine, which is cheaper than cabergoline but causes more side effects. Patients who cannot tolerate or do not respond to dopamine agonist therapy should be referred for transphenoidal resection of the prolactinoma. If surgical treatment fails, radiation therapy is the next option. Also, don't forget to treat any hypopituitarism that develops from the prolactinoma. Let's finish with our medicine minute. Queen Mary was plagued with illness throughout her life and may have actually had a macroprolactinoma. Her documented symptoms included amenorrhea, breast discharge, infertility, headaches, and blindness before a premature death. All right, that's all for today. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Picking Up the Prolactinoma. This episode was written by Dr. Anna Liu, PGY2 Internal Medicine at Western University, and reviewed by Dr. Stan Van Oom um and Dr. Kenneth Gilbert. The Internet Work series is created by Allison Lai and developed by Zara Morali and Leah Kirianopoulos. This episode is recorded and produced by Leah Karianopoulos. Music production by Lakshmi Santamara. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.